Welcome, our fellow lovers of love, and thank you for joining us on yet another excursion through the stream of consciousness down the river of tranquility to fill the lake of life with love. And good evening, our fellow lovers out there. We want to welcome you to, I guess it's the 4th of July weekend. For those of us here in the United States, it's a big deal. But for us here on this show, it's just another weekend. <laughs> yes, it is. It's just another weekend. And we've got to... Lubby spent some time on Reddit again. It's a dangerous place for Lubby to be, but it's a... It's fascinating. Fascinating. See, we've got to, we've got to, we're going to have to create ourselves our own Reddit. All right, that's coming up here soon, as soon as we can figure that out. All right, we're not going to spend a lot of time in a pre-thing today, because I don't have much to say today. So there. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been an interesting day. Baseball. No, I just, I don't know. I Your like, sleep is all off. Yeah, I'm sleeping all weird. My sleep is all weird. So, in the spirit of my sleep being all weird and Lubby being on Reddit, we've got a load of questions today, so we're just going to dive right in. What's the first one? First one, we've got, we started with work, right? we got a we did we, kind of... I, I did five work, five relationship, five parenting, and five uh, sex. Yeah, and I pulled a couple out, but but so let's see how many. Let's see if we can snap through these here today. Let's see if we can... okay. Let's start with the work ones. All right, all right. We'll start easy. I started a new job. It was an agency who found the job and said it would be perfect for me. It's three grades below my previous job and already bored with the first day because it's not challenging enough. Is it too early to leave for another job? Well, when you're, if you're working for like a temp agency, then the answer is, is no, unless you need the money. And the answer is uh, you just do the job. Who cares if you're bored? You know, sometimes you're just working just because you need the money and it doesn't matter if you're bored. Who cares if you're bored and not challenged? You need to work. And an agency may not be the best way to get the kind of job that you're not going to be bored at. So what you do is you work at this job while you go off and do the real job search. Right? That's what those types of things are for. Or maybe there's, you know, depending upon the various companies and their own policies, you know, maybe there's room to find someone to quickly move up to the condition where you, you know, to the position where you think you should be. I always use those temp agencies as a way to, in a sense, the, uh, that period, probationary period goes, works both ways, works in your favor as well. You get to interview the company, you get to work and see the culture and see the type of jobs you are and see how they handle things in an environment where leaving isn't a, such a big deal because it's a temp agency. Yep. And so, you know, it's not the same thing. So, you know, I maybe want to say maybe, you know, try it for more than a day. <laughs> you know, maybe they're taking it easy on you the first day and you can get some more. You can, as it goes on, you can find where the challenges are. You know, they don't dump the, the difficult things on the new person. You just don't, right? They give you the easy stuff. That's right. It starts with the easy stuff. So give it a little while. You know, give it a few days at least. 
you know, but I also get the point. You don't want to stick somewhere where you're going to end up getting your real job search behind, right? Where you're going to end up being a year behind because you were stuck in a job and you weren't looking. But so keep continuing to do the real job search. But think of this as something to keep your mind occupied while you're doing it. Okay. Okay. I'm new to my company, but I still don't really feel like I fit in. And it's hard to feel part of the team. I'm much younger than everyone, only 21, and the rest are all in their late 30s and 40s. I'm not extroverted, so it's really unnatural for me to just walk up to strangers in the wider team, and I haven't had anyone try to talk to me or get to know me. This is also my first job since I gra just graduated. My only teamwork in the office two days a week, and the rest is from home. So how am I expected to develop any relationships with people? Okay. One, you've been there a few months. You're not going to develop or, you know, manage your expectations to start. And two, while it's beneficial to both the company and the culture and all that to have a, you know, a team communications and where everybody feels at home and everybody feels safe that's not the norm so you know you're looking for the unicorn but you know, maybe you just have a regular old job and to the relationships you're working for you're gonna have to find outside of work you know those human connections you're looking for you're gonna have to find outside of work and I get it you're young and those where your connections are but you know, you've only used to being connected to the people around you, right? At school, your friends are the people who you spend your time with at school. And so it's natural to want to transfer that to the people who you work with. But work isn't like that. Work is work. And sometimes you find people who can be friends in work, but that's not what work is for. It's rare. And it's nice to work in a place that actually cares. If you have a place that actually cares about you as a human being and, and, and it's a it's a nice place to be, but you can't really expect it. We should expect it, but we can't. That's not how the world is. But there's a benefit to you being the young one in this team. You have people who have been there and done that. You can learn from them, and they can learn from you. So you do have things to offer. Yes. You can bridge the gap. They don't know how young people think. They don't know how young people operate. You can offer that to them. That's where your value comes in. You can think outside the box because they've been living in the box for a long time. So you can offer perspective from outside the box. But when you do, make sure you it's understandable. Hey, I understand why you guys have been doing this way. Or maybe, hey, can you help me understand why we're doing this things way? Because, you know, from my perspective, it seems like it might be better if we do it this way. But can you, before I want to say that, can you make me understand why we do it this way? You know, there's ways you have to initiate these conversations. You're waiting for people to come to you. Well, there's people you are responsible for. There's people who, who are responsible for you. There are people who work around you, who, who's your work interacts with theirs. Interact with them. Call up, say, hey, I'm working on this. Can you just, I just want to be clear about something. And just, even if you're 99% sure you're good. Call up and say, you know, can you make sure, can you cover this for me? And you do those kinds of things and you'll eventually start to build relationships just the way you build any other relationship. And you have, you have to be an active participant as well. 
You know, you're, you're 22, 23 years old, 21, was it? 21. 21. They're in their 30s. They don't know how to interact with you as, as just as much as you don't know how to interact with them. Start there. You have something in common. <laughs> hey, this is really awkward for me. You know, is there any way we can figure out how to deal with this? And you know what? You know, it's really awkward for me, too. It's probably what you're going to find out. I don't know. How to... <laughs> so, you know, you actually probably do have something in common. They probably don't are trying to figure out how to reach you as well. And so start with that. Okay. Start with the common ground. And that seems to me where your common ground is. Okay. Um, look at the ways to deal with the frustration I often feel from my coworkers being lazy. I have been at my new job for a year now. Most of my coworkers, there's just a few of us, have been there for several years. I find that I'm getting stuck doing the majority of the work each day. Oftentimes, I will look around and be the only one in the work area, while the others have just disappeared or are off or are off having chit-chat conversations for hours at a time. I have tried to scale back the amount of work that I do, but that just goes against everything in my personality, and I end up doing it anyway. I would appreciate any advice. Don't assume what people are or not doing. You don't know what their tasks are. Those chit-chats that they're having for hours at a time, they may be working on something that's, above your pay grade that you're not responsible for. It's very difficult to know what other people's job responsibilities are. Don't worry about theirs. Worry about yours. And those things, other things, will take care of themselves. And if you really feel that way, then you're in a toxic, you're in an environment that's toxic for you and you start looking for someplace else. I mean, without knowing what the workload is, maybe they just know how much their workload is and how long it takes them to do it, and so that's what they're going to do. You're finished early, and now you're going to be bored all day. Or they've given you just the right amount of work, and they have their own work to do. I just, a lot of people, when they come in and they're new to a company, they sit and, and they put their head down, they do a lot of work and they look around and they see people who have been there for a long time, who are very good at their jobs. So they don't look like they're working very hard. Doesn't mean they're not. It means they're just good at their jobs. So before you have that feeling, make sure you have the proper perspective. Just because you don't see them doing the same type of work you're doing, doesn't mean they're not working. And a lot of times, a lot of work is thought. It's in your head. It's not sitting down there thinking, working. It's working through issues. It's talking with people, working through problems. It's not work that you can, you know, quantitate. That you can put on a thing. There's solving problems isn't like that. So anyway, worry about yourself, not about other people. That would be my thing. And if it's you find it toxic, if you find it a toxic work environment, look for someplace else. That's, that's your choices because, you, you know. Yeah. It's pretty simple. My guess is it's probably not as cut and dry as it seems. Yeah. Yeah. You know, while there are people who are, you know, you've had it, hey, you, having worked on assembly lines, you've had it where, 
can you slow down because you're making the rest of us look bad simply because you know i got long arms and i can do more work than other people because of the way the layout was i have long arms and people with shorter arms have trouble moving as fast as i do because of the way the work was that particular work and it's like well, okay well just give me a little bit extra work that naturally slows me down you got me one thing you take one thing off of other people and it naturally slows me down and so there's ways to change it without actually slowing me down so i didn't have to feel like i slowed down you, you just change the layout a little bit that naturally slowed me down and it actually helped them as well because they didn't have to reach as far <laughs> you, you put me next to someone with shorter arms and it, it made the whole flow work better see because what a lot of people don't understand is if one person works faster just naturally faster than the other people it can screw things up and so sometimes you do have to slow down to go fast because it's not just about you it's about the team it's not just about you doing your work it's about the team and you know, it's a, there's a race car driver analogy. You know, sometimes you have to slow down to go fast because if you go fast, you burn the tires off and you have to go into the pit and change and change the tires. And no matter how fast the pit crew is, you know, it still takes more time to change the tires than you can ever earn back out on the track. And so maybe you do need to slow down a little. Maybe you don't have the perspective of what's good for the team. Or maybe you're just, that's your job is to do that. And their job is to work on other problems. Don't know. Without knowing the details of the, the job, it's impossible to know. You're all actually doing the same job. I somehow doubt it. If it's a small place and there's only a handful of employees, I very doubt you're all doing the same job. <laughs> you all have vastly different jobs, and so you can't compare. So anyway, let's move on. How do I tell if I'm in a stressful work position or if I just can't handle stress responsibilities well? Feeling overwhelmed and never loaded in position, which theoretically should be fun. That well, one, if you're feeling stressed, it means it's stressful. It just is. And if you're feeling overwhelmed, it probably means you need more training to do the job properly. Because it theoretically should be fun, but it's feeling stressful with to me, as someone who has led teams, that that's a signal that's a sign of a lack of training. Not a lack of not a lack of capability, it's a lack of training. You haven't been trained properly to do the job you've been asked to do, and so you're feeling overwhelmed. That's the job of your supervisor or the or the people who are in charge of you to give you the training and support you need. Yeah, but they have to know. So you have to ask for it. And that's the hard part. Ask at learning to ask for it without sounding like you're whining is the hard part. So what do you do? Hey, hey, Pat, whoever your boss is, you go to your, your, the person who's responsible for you. You know, I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed and I can't quite figure out why. Can you help me? Help me figure it out. They'll do it. If they're a halfway decent boss, they'll help you figure it out because it makes the whole team work better. Okay. And it's hard to, it's hard to do. It's, you know, admitting that you feel overwhelmed on something, but it's, it's how we all get better. Mm. Yes, it is. Okay. I was asked to join a call today by my boss and the CEO of the company oh, I, I work to for. Move that one out. Sorry. Okay. Let's sip it because that's. Yeah. Well, in short, you can go to the website and read it. It's, it's just a long thing and it's, Essentially, they're setting you up to lay you off, to fire you, is what's happening. 
And so I'll start looking for another job. It's just, that's what they're doing. They're putting, it's, they're getting all the, their reasonings for laying you off or firing you into onto paperwork. And so, you know, see the train coming and get off the tracks. It'd be my suggestion. Or <laughs> <All right. laughs> well, prepare to jump tracks, right? You know, it's prepare for it. It's coming. So, all right, we'll move on. Okay, we're going to switch gears. We're going to move into parenting questions. I'm a single dad, and my 13-year-old daughter wants to start wearing bikini swimwear. Is she too young for that? There's no correct answer. There's not. There's the answer that you and your daughter figure out. And there's the only way to do it is to figure out because what you don't want to do is, is give her something to rebel against. But you also want to make sure she's not doing this as an act of rebellion. And so, you know, I would be skeptical, but I also wouldn't immediately say no. It depends on the daughter. Depends on the outfit. Those kinds of things. There are some very nice two pieces out there. Yeah, so it's right around that time, right? It, it's it's a natural time for that quest for that conversation to be actually we had, right? So so you're not out of the norm of. No, this is very <laughs> normal. It's the per, it's the natural time for this to be happening, and so that's why I'm saying there's not a right or wrong answer because it depends on the child and the circumstances and, and your family and your choices. But as a single dad, it's you know you're trying to walk two things. You're trying to your instinct is to both let your children as a father. Your instinct is to both let them go out and let them experience the world and experiment and try things because that's what dads do but you're also playing the role of mother which is overprotective and and so you've you've got and so you've got that dual role that you're trying to play and that's difficult that's actually why it's best to have two parents so you've got one person who gets to be overprotective one person who gets to you know shoot them off on the bicycle and let them go off ride by themselves and the chance to get hurt and those conversations of trying to Get that is where you end up with your family line, right? That's, that's how that happens. And when you have one person trying to do that, it's difficult. And you come to the places like Reddit, you ask people, what's your opinion? And they'd go, well, in my family, we did X, Y, and Z. But they're not your family. And so you and your daughter are going to have to learn how to navigate these teenage years. And this is where you start. And it starts with the conversation of asking her why she wants to wear the bikini. Start with the conversation of why. Don't judge. Just ask why to try to understand. And the minute you can understand where she's coming from, you will easily come to an agreement. You will. Because you'll go start to, once you guys start to understand each other, the agreements are become easier. Not that you won't have disagreements and you'll have to put your foot down every now and again because you will but it'll be much easier to navigate and this is where you start practicing and the best thing is you get a chance to teach her how to do relationship properly teach her how to resolve issues teach her how to, to, to negotiate in relationships properly it's a wonderful gift it's an opportunity to, to give your daughter a wonderful gift well, any child, 
but these teenagers is actually the opportunity to give a wonderful gift yes. of how to navigate relationships. So, okay, let's go. Yeah, we're not going to get through all these tonight. It's already night. We're, unless we're going to stay for an hour. All right, let's go. <laughs> what do we got? I have two boys, nine and 13. The nine-year-old is curious, thoughtful, creative, makes bucket lists, has passions and interests. My 13-year-old is sweet and kind, gets straight A's, but he has no interests or passions. He's not a thinker, if that makes sense. No real sense of curiosity. How do I help him? Leave him alone. Let him find his passion. Let him be. You know, there's some people who, I forget what the, what the term is, who express, who have low enthusiasm. Doesn't mean they don't have passions. It's just they don't express it. You know, some people go to a football game, they put their paint on and stuff, and they get all expressed. And other people who, they like football just as much, they like their team just as much, but they don't do any of that. You know, yeah, I'll watch the game if it's fun. You know, there's, so just because he doesn't show the same enthusiasm for things as other people doesn't mean he doesn't have it. He just expresses it differently, it manifests differently. And the second one is, is just leave him alone. He is what he is. Whether he finds his passion or not, is if he's happy, there's nothing to fix. If he's content, there's nothing to fix. And if his personality is, you know, I just want to have relationships. I will make money however I make money, but my relationships in life is going to be more important to me. And he'll be fine. He'll plug into some corporate system and he'll be a cog in the wheel and he'll enjoy his life. Yeah. Maybe he'll end up being a teacher or something, you know, something where a bureaucrat. It's not, it doesn't matter. The world needs people like that too. So my question is just what you want to help him be is help him be the best him he can be. And if that's a kind, compassionate human being that gets straight A's, that's a kind, compassionate human being that gets straight A's. And that's what you help him become. And however that manifests into his adulthood, it will manifest into his adulthood. Maybe he'll become a bureaucrat at the DMV, but he'll be happy being a bureaucrat at the DMV. So if you try to force him to become something he's not, that's what's going to make him unhappy. So just let him be. Okay. Okay, I'm skipping. Okay. My 16-year-old recently earned access to social media, knowingly monitor it, and have full access to his account. He met a girl on Instagram about eight hours ago. Since they started talking, they progressed to boyfriend-girlfriend, <laughs> full-on I loves you. But seemingly, first the, first the kid sent my son not only nudes, but graphic videos of her pleasuring herself. I know this because when I did a phone check this evening, he had deleted the chat, told her they couldn't send nudes because he didn't want to get in trouble, then went on to compliment her in extreme detail on every bit of the videos and pics she sent. Now what do I do? Well, one, yeah, that's you can't send those kind of things because the government don't like that. So don't do that. Um, but at the same time, it's almost perfectly natural these days. 
it's kind of the world we live in. And it's in a strange sense, you created the <coughs> problem. You didn't let them practice using social media until he was 16. So he didn't know how to use it properly. <coughs> Doesn't know how to moderate himself. Never learned. Never learned the skills. So what do you do? You probably have a conversation about, you know, respect for other people. Uh, you know, because compliment is, is probably a euphemism. I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah. I'm assuming compliment is a bit of a euphemism. So there's probably a discussion about respect you have to have, which you have to have with every 16-year-old boy. So it's not such a big, it's just, here's your opportunity about respect and doing the right thing and and overcoming your basic human urges because, you know, while we are animals, we live in this thing called a society and you can't and you have to uh, control it. All of us do. Yes, we do. You know, so uh, this is a danger of limiting your, your child's access to um, social media and the internet until they're older. They haven't learned how to use it and put it properly in its place. And then you put them with, they got their hormones running, you know, anyway, <laughs> it's a danger. All right. I don't have a good answer for that one, to be honest. Other than you're correct that you need to delete that stuff and you can't send that kind of things over the internet because if you're under 18, the government hates that and, and you can really get in trouble and screw up your life. So the practical question is no. So that's the practical part of it. And you may just want to stick with the practical part of it and then have the other conversations separately. But at this stage, I'm just talking in circles because I have no idea. So, all right, what's next? I, 26-year-old female, used to make a big deal of my husband's 28-year-old male birthday. He never gave much feedback or seemed to care. So I didn't make a card and worked on his birthday this year. Now he's upset. He didn't care when I made a fuss. I'm com very confused. No, but that one's actually easy. It, it's it's not the fuss. It's not necessarily that he needs a fuss. It's that you didn't tell him you weren't going to make a fuss. Expectations were one thing. and then Because you'd set expectations. And despite the fact that just because he doesn't express a lot of enthusiasm for it doesn't mean he doesn't care. And if he'd have known that you were going to, you know, hey, it wouldn't have bothered him, but it kind of caught him out by surprise. And they're 28, and they're in your late 20s. And, yeah. When you get to your 30s, your birthdays don't care. So, now, I'm not one of these, I'm one of those people who I don't care about a birthday cards or any of that kind of stuff. So, it's hard for me to kind of relate to people who do. So, <laughs> I know people do. And so, I can kind of... I would be crushed if you didn't give me a birthday card you always pick the perfect one too. you didn't get one this year yes i did did you no oh i didn't no why didn't you get me a birthday card i couldn't see them oh <laughs> <laughs> well i said march and yeah no i couldn't see it because i still couldn't see it because my, my first eye surgery was in the middle of March. 
uh, and it took a month before I could see anything, so I couldn't see. And I couldn't get anywhere, so that was the other issue. So, you can get one this year. Not that I didn't want to, but yes, a general rule of thumb. There are reasons. Right? Yeah. See, and you weren't crushed, and you weren't hurt, because we dealt with it the other way. I saw that we didn't acknowledge your birthday. I just no, we did news a great birthday. I just didn't get the chance to get you a card. There's, you know, a card is just a symbol. It's, it's acknowledging the birthday doesn't require a card. It was a special day. So, so you know, I don't know why was he upset because you changed um, expectations without him knowing. He'll get over it. <laughs> don't worry about it that's what be my suggestion don't worry about it and then ask him next year what he wants you to do <laughs> that's what i would do what do you want me to do for your birthday this year that's when you know month before his birthday what do you want me to do for your birthday this year if he says he doesn't care then you don't do anything and if he gets all butthurt about it you say i asked you and then he'll have to deal with it all right what else you got how does one overcome infidelity? It's been over oh a year God. since my husband cheated. I've been trying to heal and forgive, but I just can't get over it. I asked him to go to therapy, put more effort into the marriage, his priority is work, etc. Anytime it comes up, he is defensive and upset. He hasn't really created space for me to heal, which I feel has disrupted the rebuilding process. It seems like he doesn't think what he did was that bad and just wants to move forward. I hate that it's all on me to get over it. Any advice? Yeah, get over it and move on. Not with the with the, your own life and the marriage and move on because he doesn't want to put his part in it. Look, at this stage, he needs to work harder than you on this. And if he's not willing to even put in equal effort, then you're always going to be swimming uphill and it's time for you to move on. If you're going to put that much effort into a relationship, it should be on one that's mutual. That's clearly not a mutual relationship. And he doesn't want it to be. So that one's actually easy. Clearly, he doesn't want to put in the same amount of effort or care into the relationship as you do. He wants you to do all the work. He wants you to magically for, forgive him without him doing anything to you know i i applaud your your desire to want to save your marriage i really do and you've done more effort than you should be required to do so i applaud i applaud your effort and now it's time to think about yourself Sometimes there's, there's no sweet endings to these things. You know, even I can't put a silver lining on that one. Okay, do we have time for one more? Yeah. Okay, my boyfriend had has e-sex with random people on online games, and I just found out, what do I do? Is this cheating or am I overreacting? Well, whether it's cheating or if you're reacting is entirely dependent on your relationship. So you have to work that out between the two of you. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. It's entirely dependent on your relationship. Because for some people, it's it's not the physical 
uh, infidelity that bothers people. It's the emotional infidelity that bothers people. It's, it's the emotional attachment or detachment that you feel after infidelity that makes people feel hurt. And so now whether, uh, you know, online relationships like that is a problem or not is entirely dependent on your relationship and where you stand and where they stand and, you know, the history of your individuals. And so you are clearly bothered by it. And so you're going to have to work through it. Okay, I have to preface this by saying they were both 22. Yeah, well, so they're young. And and there's habits. Well, it's not even the 22 doesn't matter, except for they're just being inexperienced in relationships, on you know, navigating relationships. I was crushed when I found out that my, my first husband had porn. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, women are. Do you want? The, there was a discussion I was listening to, and I don't remember from where. That a comedian. There was a. She was a comedian talking about the first time she got rejected, turned down for sex, and she says she was shocked. She says never been turned down for sex before, and he was just tired. <laughs> I was shocked. So I'm shocked. So I was. I felt like wholly rejected. So, so this is what men like feel all the time. <laughs> <laughs> And so it was. So, and so men are just so much better at handling rejection because it happens to them so often. <laughs> you know, from a very young age, from a teenagers, they're just constantly rejected, right? And so they built up this this immunity, essentially, to rejection. And in a sense, our own cultures, male culture, in a sense, helps that, right? Because we're brutal to the people we love the most, right? Our best friends. We are the most brutal to our best friends. Right, you you guys are you're so mean to each other. But that's the people we like. (laughs) We're actually nice to the people we don't. It's we're we're kind of strange. But but in a sense that builds up this tough skin kind of thing. And but women aren't used to that, right? Women get young women especially. You know, I can count on one hand how many times (laughs) I've been rejected. (laughs) So. So when it happens, it's very hurtful. So when it, I remember them. So when it feels, <laughs> yeah, see, men don't remind. How many times you were rejected? Fuck, I know. You know, <laughs> you know. I don't know. <laughs> but so it's so it actually, in a sense, it hurts women more because they don't they don't have this the history of having to deal with it. So, so when you find out your uh, your spouse was watching porn, or you're having, you know, to what a man is just kind of, you know, light entertainment to a woman is rejection. It was. I thought I'm not enough. Yeah, and and then the man, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> it's the, there's to the guy, it's a completely different experience. It's and, a completely... and I question myself. I asked them, "Is there anything I'm not doing?" Yeah, to women, it's about women, and to men, it's just, it's just, no, it's just, I don't bother you so much. <laughs> I don't want to get turned down by you, and quite frankly, the magazine can't turn me down. You know what I mean? Not in the mood to get rejected today. <laughs> if you want to get base, that's probably why there's a lot to it there. You know, porn can't reject you. <laughs> 
Join the reward. Porn can never say no. <laughs> so there is some benefit, you know, on that kind of a thing. So, so what do you do? You have the discussion because you're you're 22 and you're learning how to navigate relationships, and you have to figure out, okay, why are you feeling rejected? And you have to figure out what is he doing? Is it just light entertainment? You know, so it's maybe, or is it he's trying to fulfill something he's not getting? Because there is difference. Yeah, there's a difference between light entertainment and, you know, trying to fulfill some part of, you know, the hole in a relationship that he does, that you're not getting. Some deeper connection. So if it's just light entertainment, you know, all depends. You just have to have the discussion. There was one more, because I wanted you to answer, actually, in there. Because there's one for Lubby to answer. Here, oh, I get it. Hold on. There's one we want Lubby to answer, because I can't answer it. Okay. BSDM partner with the vanilla partner. Help. Okay, this was a very long one, and she was married. And she married him knowing... He tried a couple times, but it wasn't his thing, and she was content for a while, but now she's starting to have fantasies. What do I do? You married him, girlfriend. You knew what he was. Well, that's like being being a polygamist and, be, be, excuse me, polyamorous, and going into a monogamous relationship, you know it's not for you. Well, but of course, the, the thing is, when you're talking about people's sexuality evolves. So just because someone's vanilla at one age doesn't mean they're always going to be. Or just because someone's more experimental at a young age doesn't mean they're always going to be. These things, True. These things do evolve. So, and what she's actually facing is she's actually evolved. She was comfortable making that sacrifice. Call it a sacrifice for lack of a better word at a young age. And, but now she's coming to decide maybe she's not as, not as comfortable now as she was then. My question is, is there something else in her life that she's trying to fill? Why is she all of a sudden not, not satisfied? And maybe she's not, maybe it's not, maybe it's just a stage. Maybe she's having fantasies and it's just a stage of fantasies. We all go through them. It's not such a big deal. If it's a long-term marriage, <sighs> there's going to be periods where you have feelings of your eye wanders and there's fantasies. No, it's not necessarily eye wandering. It's just, you know, sometimes you get, you have desires that your partner can't fill. And so on occasion, you have the fantasies about them. But over time, it goes, you know, everything is put back in its place, proper place, because sex is just, it is. It's just sex. It's sex and it's fun. And we all get that. But the real point to it is to remain close. And if you're close, if you're connected to your partner, then you can overcome 
the differences. There is a deeper contentment in long-term committed relationships than, uh, do I have to say it, than flings. Yeah, well, and, and nature plays a cool trick on us, right? For most of human history, you know, extinction was around the corner. And so just like every other animal, the main drive, the main purpose is procreation. And so nature has played a cool trick on us. In our younger years, procreation is a dominant force biologically. Hormones and all that, right? So, so in our younger years, sex is very important. It becomes very important to us. But as we get older and, the, and you switch from procreating to raising and you know, building societies and families, You've you've built in those, you've built in that framework of sexuality, but it's now functions. It's, you now have a lifestyle that's vastly different. You know, you're you're 40, 50 years old. You're no longer sex plays a vastly different role in your life than it did when you were twenty, biologically. But we've set the patterns, the learning patterns, the the relationship patterns in our twenties, and we carry those off into our 50s and it's daft but in the past we didn't live to our 50s or not a lot of us it was so focused on procreating that we created thought processes and, and habits you know uh, relationship habits that were suited for procreating and then we try to take those procreating habits and impose them when we're older 40s and 50s and we wonder why they don't work because our relationships have changed. Our bodies literally have changed. So what do you do? The same thing you do with every other relationship problem. You deal with it. You talk through it. If you need a counselor, you get a counselor. Amen. Share with him. And he may be willing to Evolve. He may have his own, you know, sexualities that he wants to explore, but he's afraid to, afraid of rejection. So, you know, you may be willing, have to willing to kind of go down that road. So you may need a sex therapist for all we know. That sounds like a good idea. And if he's really vanilla, that may be hard for you. But, you know, he's tried the thing a couple times for you, so he might be willing to have a discussion with a sex therapist as long as it's not trying to convince you he doesn't think as long as he knows you're not trying to convince him to go into your way you're just trying to find a solution to your mutual problem you're just trying to navigate a path through this trying to figure out how to get through it because if someone thinks they're going to be manipulated then it's going to re they're going to reject it so you can't have an end goal of what your end goal is in mind, you don't know what your end goal is. Your end goal, your 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 uh, goal has to be to figure out what your end goal is. That's your goal. Whatever your sexual lifestyle happens to be at the end goal, that's what it is. But you don't know what that is yet. Because that's what you find out in the process. 
you may have to, you know, it's like the edge of sketch. Scrub the board, man. Go to sex therapist, scrub the board, start over. Drop your own perspectives. If you want him to drop his, you're going to have to drop yours. All right. For me and Lubby, we want to thank you for joining us tonight. You can always find us at latenightlove.us, and you can send us all your questions and everything. And send Lovey at your love letters at love at latenightlove.us. From me and Lubby, we want to – where am I? There we go. We want to thank you for joining us, and please remember to love everybody. Good night.